One of the things, if you're here for the first time or you've only been here a couple of weeks, we just want to welcome you. And one of the goals of our church is to make common ground very quickly. When you go somewhere and you have common ground, it connects you quicker, doesn't it? And the greatest thing we have in common, obviously, is Jesus. But the other thing is I think about, you know, what does the heart, the liver, and the nose have in common? Well, they're, they're each receiving life from the body, aren't they? And they're all three giving something to the body. They have all things in common. And they're the same one body. And so the Bible says we're members of the same body, and we all have a part and a gift. God has given you a spiritual gift, just like the ear helps us hear, and the body gives the ear life. So we want to know what you have found yourself doing in God and wanting to do in God, and we would like to... The Bible says in the book of Acts they had all things in common. So we want to invite you, and we ask you to do that, and we thank you for that. Uh, with Easter coming, you see we've, we're, uh, we've rearranged the chairs just for that purpose. We're able to get more chairs in now. Also, Susie said move forward. Here's one that's really a big sacrifice. Don't sit on the aisle. But that's only for like the really mature Christians. So don't feel like you have to do that. Just the, like the Pauls and the Apostle Peters that are in this building. So only those kind of Christians can actually sit in the middle of an aisle. It's, it's tough to do. I know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not even there. I'm still sitting on the end. So we would ask to think about that. If all the people sit on the aisles, they have to go over you to get to the middle. Just a thought to prefer others more than you prefer. Boy, Christianity even starts where we sit, isn't it? It's like real, real love starts there. Hey, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4, as a place of beginning. We've been talking about all things Jesus. This year is dedicated, and all the years henceforth, dedicated to speaking about all things Jesus. And we're on a series about the I am that Jesus said in the Bible. He said, I am seven different things. One of the things Jesus said was, I am the light of the world. Now, I loved what Pastor Danny, if you weren't here last week, uh, we had a special guest speaker, Pastor Danny and Jamie Schultz were with us from Spokane Sun City Church, and didn't he just do a fantastic job? Wasn't that awesome? I could listen to him all day long. It was like, oh, God, give me the anointing of Danny. I guess I need Jesus' anointing, don't I? And I just thought, wow, what a great job he did for us. And one of his main scriptures was my keynote scripture for this week, and I turned to Jamie, and I, I got credit. I said, Jamie... You know, because you'd always try to tell people, I heard from the Lord here, you know. This next scripture, Matthew 4, chapter 4, verse 16, is a scripture that Danny read last week for us, talking about the glory of the Lord. And it's a scripture I want us to read today out of the English Standard Version I'm reading. The people, hmm, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm, I've got for you the new living, don't I? The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. Can we stand and ask the Lord to actually do that in our life this morning? He's a real God. He can do real things. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, O oh God, that you're going to speak to each individual here through the Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that's a miracle and we count on you to do that, that every heart here that's willing to hear We'll hear a special, unique word for them today. Speak, O oh God, for your people are listening. Shine in our hearts in the midst of our darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Go tell somebody, yay, Gonzaga. I don't know, whatever you want. <laughs> All righty, all righty. Must be a lot of Gonzaga fans out there. So the other thing we're doing is we wanted to trot out the new seating for a couple couple weeks here so we could practice getting used to this new seating arrangement before Easter, work out the bugs, look at things. We're also going to be spiffying up the church in other ways. we got some fun things coming that um, besides thank you for cleaning, we're going to be doing some uh, little facelift spiffying up. It's going to be kind of fun to see you get ready for Easter. Well, I mentioned Pastor Danny, and every pastor that ever speaks almost says this. Now, if you think I'm crazy, I'm going to say it anyway. I get to fly out of town. Your pastor can clean it up. How many have heard a pastor say that? Of course you have. They say it every time, and they leave us poor pastors to clean it up. And yet, somebody like Danny, you don't worry about it. Except this time. I have something I want to bring up. He mentioned something about animals that I felt like needed some clarity. He said something about you don't want dogs because you look like them, and you begin to look like them. And I, I just, I'm, I don't believe in that at all. My heart was really hurt because we don't look anything like our dogs, do we, people? I mean, there's not one thing that looks like your dog, identifies with your dog. I just think you ought to all own a dog, and it's okay. You'll never look like your dog. Oh, thanks a lot, guys. Way to go back there. Apparently, they pulled out something. This is my dog, Gabe, and he didn't follow instructions. I said, hey, are you going to be half panting, full panting, mouth closed? And I got the impression it was going to be a half little mouth open pants, so he didn't quite. Go to the one before that. You can see how much Gabe loved doing this with me. <laughs> this is his disgusted look like, oh, my master's making me do something stupid again, you know, don't put a bow in my hair, you know. So that's Gabe, our standard poodle. He's our buddy, and he's such a well-behaved dog, I'll tell you. Our vet loves Gabe because for a poodle, he's good. We found out poodles aren't that good, apparently, because... They say he's good. All right, guys, go ahead and let's go to the next scripture here. John 8, 12. <laughs> this is our keynote scripture as far as what we've been talking about the last four, uh, three Sundays. Next week will be the last I am the light message. And it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. This, I, I am really looking forward for you folks for next Sunday, because I believe the Lord's going to speak to us as a church in an amazing way. But for today, for part three, look at this scripture out of the English Standard Version. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, so this is the third Sunday. Again, I'm speaking to you saying, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I really, speaking of Danny, that was fun when he talked about the word glory and how all these years we sing about it and we say it. And I, I, it began to make me realize, I, I think we kind of do that with light also. Do we really understand when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and his life is, his light is the light of life. And we talked the first Sunday about the light being 
When God first created the heavens and the earth, for three days there was no sun in creation, but the light covered and gave life. And we realize, oh, it literally, Jesus literally is the life. If Jesus pulled off this planet, it would die. It would cease to exist. And I was looking at this scripture, and I realized this scripture holds an amazing explanation of what light is in our life. Look at this scripture with me. I am the light of the world. And that's the part you go, okay, what? I, I think I know what that means, but what? And look what he says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And I went, there it is. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have what? That's the light of life. Following Jesus. And I realized this was 2,000 years ago, gang. One of the most beautiful sights from the space shuttle is looking at our planet at night. You can see where the populace is on the planet, can't you? Have you ever seen those pictures from space where you see a night view of the Earth and you see the United States and you see all the bright lights along the coast and a few in the middle and your street light from Idaho right there? Susie and I were looking out over the valley last night. And it's just gorgeous, all the different kind of lights that are out there. And, you know, you think light pollution, cities, but there's something about light that's really attractive, isn't it? I mean, why do people fly to Las Vegas? It's not because it's dark down there on the Vegas Strip. There's, they do amazing thing with lights. Right, Rod? I haven't been there gambling, but you would. No. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so funny. He thinks he's back there all safe, you know, and minding his own business, and his mean older brother pulls on. But lights are attractive. They really are. And we were looking out over the valley and thinking, what would the Native Americans see 400 years ago from this mountain? It, would, it wouldn't you'd be looking at the stars and the moon, I mean, because there's nothing out there if there was no city. The lights are beautiful. They're attractive. 2,000 years ago, though, there were no streetlights. At night, it got dark. In your house, unless you really made some effort, it was dark. And they had these little oil lamps and a little wick on it. And, you know, this is why people got up at dawn and went to bed at dusk. There was, you, you couldn't see, you couldn't read, you couldn't really run around. And so when Jesus said... You guys live in darkness at night. How easy is it to follow a light? Isn't it wonderful when you're walking from the town to your farm to your house, you got a little lamp, and you probably don't all have lamps. One person would have a lamp, and they would lead the way. So people then had a real visual image of, oh, my goodness, we always follow people with lights. Everywhere we go at night, somebody in front has to have a light. Else we're stumbling and bumbling around unless it's a full moon. In our life, our light is out there called Jesus. And we get to choose. It, it, it almost, you know, back then it would make absolute sense. Why wouldn't you follow Jesus? If you're in the middle of the night and it says this people sat in darkness... And Danny talked about sitting because when it's pitch dark, where do you go? How do you go? How do you navigate? 
It makes total sense if one person has a light and they're heading in a direction, you know to follow them. It's that easy for Jesus to be your light. If you're living in darkness or the shadow of death is overshadowing you, or it's so simple. But I know how hard it is. Just because you say it's a simple answer doesn't mean it's easy. But are any of you out there struggling following Jesus? If you're not following Jesus, if you're struggling, darkness is imminent. It's a foregone conclusion. If you walk away from the light, your life just gets darker and darker. But Jesus said, if you follow me, whoever does that, it doesn't say you have to be great, smart, perfect. Just follow Jesus. Have known him for millions of years or five years or five minutes. It doesn't matter. He says, here's again in the Bible, whoever will follow me. You see, he allows anybody who wants to follow the light. He doesn't stop and say, you following me, get out of line. He never has said that. Whoever will follow me will never walk in darkness. Isn't that an amazing promise? And if you follow Jesus in your life, your life just gets brighter and brighter. And the closer you follow him, the brighter it gets. And you will find Jesus to be the light of your life. Now, many of us maybe didn't consciously know this was happening when we began to follow Jesus. But if I ask you to raise your hand, are there any of you out there that have learned that following Jesus pays off big? That you stumble less, you bumble less, you get hurt less, you fall down pits Less and not at all. And your life is bright. And you say, Jesus, you are the light of life. You are the light of my life. And you see in the scripture where King David says, you're a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Oh God, your word. Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Your word. And John begins, along with his seven I am's, he begins this very book by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus and the word are one. So as you love on Jesus and as you read his word, It begins to give you direction in life. It begins to allow you to see where you're going. You trip less. You make wiser decisions. Your money goes better. Your life goes better. Your wife goes better. Your kids go better. Because you're heading in the right direction in your life. The interesting thing about Psalms where it says, He's a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Did I say that right, by the way? Or did I turn them around? Do you know? Did I say it right? Okay. How far down the road does the light shine? In those days, they didn't have big Hollywood spotlights, did they? God doesn't always show you 20 years down the road. He doesn't always show you 
all right, I'm going to light this path. It's straight ahead for the next 14 years. Just Now, you know, a marriage, yes. <laughs> you know, obviously. Walk straight on that one. But many things that you're following Jesus for, it's, it's a trust-faith thing because you take a step and the five steps down the road, it's dark. And you have to lean on him again. You got to look to him again. You got to follow him again. And then he shows you the next. I always feel like it's a frog going across the pond on a lily pad at a time, you know. Where's the next lily pad? And as you pray and seek the Lord and read the Bible, hear the word of God in church. How many times have you come to church and out of our worship leader or Kevin exhorts and the word of the Lord just comes forth in your life? You think, how did they know? How did pastor know? It, it's, it's something, it's an occupational hazard, wives, if you bring your husband and the pastor says exactly what you've been trying to say to your husband, he, he's going to elbow you and say, why did you tell the pastor? That happens all the time. The spouse looks at the other spouse and goes, that was our secret. Why did you tell the pastor? I want to tell you, God told me. I don't get into gossip. I don't get into your business. I just seek the Lord, and the Lord speaks to you. By coming to the house of the Lord. Man can't live by bread alone, right? But by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it becomes this thing that allows you to follow in the right direction. I'd like to do something real quick here about light. I want somebody to help me turn off every light in the house, including, including the house lights. If you do that for me, so nobody move if it gets too dark. It probably won't. We've got windows in the back. But if we could turn off every house light, and we'll see how much light those windows really do give us. And there's a little, um, Melissa, there's one switch closest to me that you need to turn off because that's putting out a lot of light. There we go. All right. Just kidding. An attribute of light is that it is never overcome by darkness. See how hard it is to keep the light out of here? It's still coming through our windows. It's coming through that door. Light is never suppressed by darkness. You see, darkness isn't an energy or a beam. I want you to look at this screen. Everything that's black is not a force or energy coming to your eye. It's nothingness. Darkness doesn't have an energy. Uh, guys, go to the next slide. Susie said... Pastor Susie has said something so beautiful. When you walk into a room, you don't have to curse the darkness. Just turn on the light. When it comes to life's darkness, there's not a power struggle. There's a truth struggle. The enemy wants you to think he has a dark ray. He has blackness ray. You know, we, well, what about black light? It's not black light. It's an ultraviolet, infrared light. It's, it's, it's actually a, a wave of light that allows your fluorescent college drug poster to light up at night. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yay, Jesus. House is getting redeemed one generation at a time. When you look at this, and this is what they say, when you buy a TV, find a TV when it's not on that has the blackest screen. Because you can't make a TV shine blacker. Because it's the opposite of shining. It's the opposite of energy. It's the opposite of light, and there is nothing to it. So it has to just have blackness in it because then the light shines out. In this projector, it's not projecting a whole screen. It's just projecting light where those words are. 
that screen is lending its own darkness to it because the lights went out. If we were to turn all the lights on, shut off the projector, what color is that screen really? Do you know? It's white. So the darker you can make the screen, the brighter the light. The other thing about light and darkness is that darkness isn't going anywhere. It has no direction to it. I can't shoot darkness towards you. Your life can't emanate darkness towards somebody. Darkness is the total absence of light. The minute light turns on, it just overcomes because the darkness is a nothingness. In our universe, we are seeing light that has traveled kabillions of miles to get here, and we can still see it. Kabillions! That's 1,400 million zillion billions. Kabillions! And it's traveled for centuries. And the light never went out. It never got weak. Light, though darkness has no direction to it and you can't send darkness, light's always going in a direction somewhere. Light gives us direction. And light always goes out from the source. You can't be a light set on a hill, the light of the world, without your light going out. Enough about next week. Now, you look at this, the light is the only thing that's... Guys, go ahead and turn all the light off on the projector. Now get ready to shade your eyes. Whoa, look at the black coming back at you. Isn't that interesting? Even in this light, can you see what color that screen is? Isn't that weird that it appeared black? Go to our title slide, guys. So everything you see there, everything that's color, everything that's white, everything that's lit is actual light reflecting off that screen back at you. It was, it's going a direction. It's going out from that screen. It first went out from that projector. It hit in a straight line towards that screen. It's coming at you at the speed of light, which is amazing. And everything you see there that's black is just the absence of light. Okay, go back to normal on the, in the building lights. Here's something, another thing that's amazing about the study of light. We actually are receiving from quasars, they're the brightest object in the universe. They're a dying star that's collapsed on itself and is compressed so hard that the energy being released is greater than any other star and these quasar galaxies are putting out incredible light from the galaxy. It's made from several or millions of these quasars. It's an old galaxy. And we're receiving, the light that we're receiving from our closest neighboring star has been traveling for 4.3 years. Now, light can go around our planet seven times in one second. It's that fast. I think at 186,000 feet per second, miles per second. It's, I could say, I'm going I'm to go for two seconds, 1,001, 1,002. Try to get your finger around your other finger as fast as you can. Ready? Ready? Go, 1,001, 1,002. Stop. Anybody make it 14 times? Light did it. That's how fast it is. 
going around our whole planet, it, could, it doesn't do that. It doesn't go in circles. But it could travel at the speed of light 14 times around our planet by the time I say 1,001, 1,002. Light from that star has been traveling at that speed for 4.3 years. And it's our closest star. The furthest star away is millions of light years away. That light has been traveling for millions of years to get to us. We are seeing a star that when you look at most of the stars, they're no longer there. The light stayed true all the way to Earth, but that star has long moved thousands of years ago. It's amazing when you think about light. Now, that messes with a new Earth, old Earth, evolution, creation thing. Here, here's as a scientist what I say. I said to my kids for years, where does a 500-pound gorilla sleep? Answer is anywhere he wants. How did God do it? Anyway, he wants, but God did it. God did it. The other thing about light that they're finding and have found, they believe, is as you approach the speed of light, if you could travel at the speed of light, and as you approach the speed of light, time slows down. You could go away to the sun and back at the speed of light, and you would not have aged, and all of us are 16 minutes older. Time stopped for you. You could go to Alpha Centauri, the closest planet, come back in 8.6 years to us and not have aged a bit from our perspective. If you could go there at the speed of light and back. Jesus says, I am light. Time has no issue for God. Time is not an issue. Don't get hung up on time. God's not hung up on it. He owns it. He can control it. He's in it. He is time. He's light. He's light. He's awesome. So don't, don't get hung up on those things, especially when you're talking to an unbeliever. The Bible doesn't say if you can out-argue an unbeliever, they will come to the light. That you're supposed to witness with your mind the greatness of God. Now, there are times if people are truly inquisitive, yes, break out the Bible, begin to show them that God is creator, God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent, all everything. Yay, yay. But really be careful trying to convince people God's real by out-arguing them. Most people don't respond to you beating them intellectually. Well, no, they respond. It's just not usually to come to your church. I don't know if you found that because I've, I've ran that experiment a bunch. In college, I argued with every non-believer, every non-Christian in the campus, and won none of them. I made them all mad, and they made me mad. So we have to be really careful with those kind of intellectual, huge argument things. But bringing back to, if you will follow Jesus, your darkness will go away. If you will follow Jesus, have faith in Jesus. If any of you are in any way in the shadow of darkness, there's a darkness in your life. This morning, the cry of our heart is, follow Jesus. Begin to read your Bible, begin to pray, and begin to say to Jesus, Jesus, what is your will? You know, Jesus paid the ultimate price, not necessarily when he was actually hanging on the cross, but I say that he won the battle for us in the garden when he said, Father, if there's any way I don't have to follow you into this, I'm all for it. But Jesus said, Father, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
There is no way for you and I to go to our cross without that first statement of saying, Jesus, I've done it my way. And the light that I thought was in my life is actual darkness. The Bible says that the light they actually think they're following is making them full of dark. And many of us have had what we think is a bright idea, a brilliant, bright thought. But we see Jesus over here, but our light's brighter. And if each of us can come to the garden of our life and say, Father, I don't know if I can follow that light where it's going. But nevertheless, not my light be done, but yours. Not my will be done, Father, but yours. Is that in the area of relationships for you today? Is that in the area of being kind on the freeway? Is that on the way of your finances? Is there anything in your life where you're not following the light of Jesus? And as many of you and most of you are believers... If there's an area of your life that's darker than others, is it because in that area you're not following the word of God, you're not following God's will for your life? If in every area of our life we can say, God, where's, the, where's your path for me in this area? Jesus makes a promise. Jesus makes a promise. Again, I say to you, if you follow me, you'll not live in darkness but I will be the light of your life. Now, what's amazing about the light of God, if you'll turn with me to John 1, 5, in the very beginning of John, John says this, and I looked up this scripture in about every translation my Bible app had, and it's amazing what these scriptures say. And the light goes on shining in the dark. Every area of your life that there's darkness, Jesus makes you and I a promise that if you will begin to follow him, it will start to lighten up around you. You'll begin to walk in the light. And the light goes on shining in the dark, and it is not overcome. It is not overtaken. It is never extinguished. It is not defeated, and it can never be put out. Isn't that a beautiful promise? No matter how much darkness is in your life today, Jesus is making you a promise. His light will never go out in your life. Oh, but I used to serve him. I don't anymore. His light is still shining. You can still turn to the light. You know, no matter how far you go this way, if you turn, you'll see the light. No matter how many years you walk this way, if you turn, you'll see the light. His light will never go out. It'll always be there looking for you. It's always going somewhere, out from God to you. For God so loved the world, he just shined over the whole planet, didn't he? Yeah. It is amazing when you think about the light of Jesus Christ is better than any quasar. It travels 12,000 miles. It has taken 2,000 years, and it's burning brighter today than ever before. Yes, Isn't that amazing that the light went out from Jerusalem thousands of years ago? Many, many miles. We're about 7,000 miles away from Israel. And here we are today with more light on the planet than it's ever experienced. Some of you may not believe that, but it's true. The reason we don't believe it is because people don't magnify the name of the Lord. They magnify darkness. And the more you magnify darkness, the more it looks dark. But I'm telling you, 
There are so many lights burning out on that planet today. There are more Christians on this planet than ever before in the history of the world. Do you know that? I heard that one, is it 100,000? Can't be that big. People are coming to Christ every day. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill. And he's putting out lights all over this world every day. And your light and all the lights before you are not going out, but brilliant and brilliant and brighter and brighter as we approach the day. Would you stand with me this morning? And ask the Lord, Father, is there any part of my life where I've let my light gone out because I've quit following your will, Lord? It's an amazing thing the minute you turn towards the light and begin to follow Jesus in that area of your life. It's brilliant what happens, isn't it? So as we begin to sing here, I would just, we're leaving the altar open. We're leaving the hearts of your open this morning. Oh, Father, let us search and try our ways and turn again to you. Let us search and try our ways, oh God, and turn again to you. Father, let us see you in the darkness of our life. Father, that you would shine in every direction. You say there's no shadow of turning. That means there's no deceit. There's no darkness. In every direction, you blaze bright light. Father, this morning, let us be a people that walk in the light of God that walk in your will, Father, who follow your design for our life. For, Father, you're the light on the path of my destiny. God is the light on your path to your destiny and fulfilling your life with the most epic, fulfilled life you could ever have. And it's never too late to turn towards the light and walk to it. Heavenly Father, help us be a people who will follow you. Help us be a people that will look for you, Lord. We'll seek you. That we'll seek you first above all things, Father. And you'll add everything to our life. Oh, as we sing this morning, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. In Jesus' mighty name. Grander earth has quaked before. Moved by the sound of Can be calmed and broken for my regard. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on it is well with me.
wondering if there's uh, anything in your life that you've kind of uh, held so tightly and kind of stuck it over here and not really exposed it to the light of Christ. And I would just encourage you, I've been there before and I'm kind of there now too. You can trust Jesus with that thing that maybe you're holding so tight. So if you find yourself this morning as we are closing the service thinking, yes, Lord God, there are those areas where I need the lights. Again, the altar will be open. If you need someone to pray with you, there will be people available who would pray with you. Father, we just thank you that you are the light shining in this earth. this world and this earth of my life. You shine, oh God. Let me be a light to others by showing the love that you have. And may I release each and area of my heart and my life to allow your light to truly shine in a way that brings freedom, that brings peace, that brings joy beyond what I have understood before that brings a peace beyond our understanding, oh God. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the light of the world and you enter our lives to bring peace. We thank you, God. Amen.